Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial at searchenginejournal.com forward slash audible and get your first book for free. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Search Engine Nerds. My name is Brent Satoris, and I'm your host. And today I'm joined by Gary Yesh from Google. And we have a really interesting conversation about mobile SEO for you today that I think you're really going to enjoy. Uh, thanks for joining. Hey, Gary, uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's uh, really great to have you. I always really enjoy uh, talking with you. So I'm kind of excited about this conversation today. Good morning, Brent. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, look, man, uh, we, we always have a lot of uh, different conversations that we can talk about when it comes to SEO, but um, I discussed with you a little bit and we kind of agreed that we were going to talk a bit about mobile today, mobile SEO, everything mobile. Uh, you had made a funny comment that just about everybody you know is talking about mobile these days, so uh, it'd be a good topic to cover. Cool. That, yeah, that, that mobile is, is kind of big nowadays. Um, and it's been big for the past 10 years, I guess. Uh, but uh, we have a few quite exciting things uh, that's going to change in our pipelines that will make this even more exciting, I guess. <laughs> It, it's kind of funny because mobile was one of those things that like 10 years ago, people really started talking about it. And then everybody thought it would like jump the shark, right? It would be like one of those yeah. things where we're not going to have to worry about that technology. We'll just figure it out. And it was kind of interesting for me to watch that go really strong and then kind of disappear for a couple of years and then come back really strong again. Um, but it definitely did become one of the, the key topic points to discuss. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, a small silence. It was like the the the, the, the um, calmness before before a storm, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and then suddenly it was like lightning and dramatic clouds and shit. It was cool. Well, as and, and as much as people joke about the term mobile getting when there was the whole you know like lo, you know mobile friendly you know uh, you know sites showing up in in local search and mobile search, um, you know as much as that was kind of debated on how big it was, I think that the terminology around it and the focus on it really helped people get their minds going in the direction of mobile again. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about that. I, I, I think I'm still a little mad at, at um, Dennis Sullivan for picking this uh, um, this name. This phrase. Uh, yeah, because I don't think there was anything getting about it. Um, <laughs> it wasn't like anyone disappeared and like skyscrapers were falling and stuff. Um, it was um, more. Um, it was more about communication. Um, and uh, getting people understand that mobile is important and they have to focus on it because that's where uh, most users are nowadays. Um, but yeah, I agree that it probably helped uh, with uh, um, pushing the initiative, right? Yeah, pushing, pushing the conversation. The uh, we did freak out a little bit when we first heard it. <laughs> um, but I mean, we were kind of worried that it will turn into uh, something really nasty. Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, it, it turned out to be kind of much to do about nothing, right? Yeah. I mean, 
uh, everybody said, okay, we got to focus on mobile. And it, it did help me in some conversations with people. I still have conversations even today with companies where they really are focused only on desktop. And I'm like, well, where's your mobile strategy or what are you doing with mobile? And they're like, well, we'll worry about that later. And then we go in and look at their analytics and show them like, this is how many people are coming to your site from mobile. And that's when kind of the trigger goes yeah. off in the brain and they're like, oh crap, okay. Um, but we, you know, we've been talking about it, as you mentioned, for a long time. And in 2016, there was a post that Google put out that was essentially saying like, you know, I mean, you guys don't necessarily put timelines down too often, but it was basically saying, look, in the near future, uh, it's our goal to go to a mobile first index, right? To start yeah. focusing on the mobile version of the page as the leading, you know, signal, um, you know, for the site. Uh, versus the desktop version. Um, and then we, you know, I've heard some people rumor that it was going to be this year. And then I've heard some people rumor that it's going to be 2018 when Google actually makes the shift. Um, do you have anything that you can kind of discuss to that effect of when we should be looking for a mobile first shift? Um, well, as you said, we don't like to give uh, a concrete timelines because. Um, it depends on many, many things. Um, uh, most of the launches that we have depend on many, many things. Uh, and uh, I was burned quite a bit uh, in the past for um, uh, telling people very concrete dates when something would launch, yeah. uh, namely, uh, I think it was Penguin. Um, so we are trying to stay away from that. But um, um, even internally, we have uh, quite a few um, dates or time ranges uh, that uh, uh, we have in mind. Um, and yes, one of them was uh, end of this year, I think. Uh, but we agreed that, um, that, that that probably will not happen. Um, then there was next year, early next year. Uh, that's more realistic. Uh, but then there was also a philosophy shift um, internally, and um, we, we were we are discussing this uh, a lot with the leads and uh, with the with the team who's who's doing uh, the mobile first index, and uh, we are thinking about how can we make sure um, that people are not. Um, or people's sites are not harmed by this change. Um, how can we ensure that just because we want to advance our technology, um, sites are not going to lose traffic? Um, and that's what we are thinking a lot about nowadays. Um, and that's uh, what defines pretty much this launch. Well, um, I would I would imagine. I mean, historically, you guys have spent a long time testing prior to even talking about things, and then you spend yeah. a lot of time testing while you're talking about things. And so, my guess is that you 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 know, based on this conversation that's been happening, you've had at least a couple of years of really kind of looking at how this or discussing and kind of evaluating right. this. When you make the shift, am I am I right to guess that it's going to be a gradual shift, or you know, and I obviously you can't. I don't think you can probably get into super specific. But I mean, just in general, yeah. is it something where there's going to be a switch and, and, and things are going to be noticeably different? Or is it going to be something where you're going to come out and say, look, we've been running this for six months now and you guys haven't even you know, said anything about it. That's how you know, gradual the shift's going to be. Um, in theory, that's what we want. 
um, or theoretically that's what we want um, to um, to slowly move towards a mobile first index uh, and uh, uh, without that being noticed externally. Uh, that's a very difficult thing to do. Um, so we are thinking very carefully about what can we do and how can we do it. Uh, and that part takes a lot of time. And obviously testing also takes a lot of time because we can just flip a, flip a flag and then say that, okay, now everything is mobile friendly because that could very much harm sites. Yeah. Uh, I, th I think uh, ultimately we would want to uh, move sites into a mobile first index when those sites are prepared. So for example, uh, nowadays we have lots of problems or we see lots of problems with uh, sites um, having, um, for example, different content on the mobile versus desktop site, sure. different links, different structured data markup, different uh, rel annotations. Um, and all those, when put together, uh, can have a very dramatic um, effect on, on, on a site's traffic. Is, is that why you guys prefer? Is that why it seems to be preferred? Um, I don't want to say you um, prefer, but it seems to be preferred by Google right now that, to utilize responsive design because of the fact that so, it eliminates yes. a lot of those issues. Yes, exactly. Um, so really, we were saying that we don't particularly care um, about what kind of... Um, uh, set up the use for your mobile site. There are three possibilities. One is responsive, one is uh, uh, dynamic serving, and one is M site or different site. Um, and um, uh, while thinking about this mobile first index, we realized that, and looking at the data that we collected, uh, we realized that the sites that are on responsive, that are responsive, uh, or that are using responsive web design, um, they are barely affected by by this change. We don't have to do, or we don't have to be smart, yeah, uh, or to outsmart those sites uh, in order to move them to mobile first index. But then there are some M and uh, dynamic serving where we have to like come up with really weird uh, uh, setups on our end uh, to ensure that their traffic is not harmed. And what um, so. Ultimately, we would want to shift our comms into a direction where we strongly recommend uh, responsive web design uh, versus saying that, yeah, we don't care. Yeah, and I think that, you know, to be honest, um, the, the, the issues where people run into are just the, the kind of slow changing issues where you have like, you know, um, business decisions that have looped you into certain platforms and you're like, I can't do responsive on this platform and though, so I'm forced to do something else. But I think it's a good point to reference that we were talking about a timeline being, you know, early, let's say early to mid 2018 as kind of a guesstimate right now to give some leeway, um, you know, that still gives people at least a half a year to really make some business decisions and make some adjustments to kind of set themselves up. And although I, I in my experience, Google has always made an effort to try to accommodate, uh, you know, other platforms, 
and and you don't necessarily need us to spoon feed you, the the better we can do to provide you something that's easier for you to index and use is going to be you know better for us. I think in the long term. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. I, I agree with that. So with with that with that comment, um, you know, we have that time period. Um, I, I'm dealing with companies right now doing consulting where they're just not. I mean, we're dealing with a site right now that the JavaScript's uh, strange and you can't actually get the links to index properly. So it's like duplicating URL patterns inside the URL. So it's like three or four of the same URL in there because of the JavaScript. Oh. And so there's there's issues that we run into with companies all the time. Given a time period that allows change what what are some of the things that people can do to prepare for um you know this the shift that's you know inevitably going to come um obviously we've talked about responsive design but yeah. what other things out there can people focus on to kind of prepare themselves um we want people um to to have very um What's the right term for that? Um, basically, send users uh, to a site uh, that, where where they can convert. Mm -hmm. um, we we don't want to send users uh, to sites where people wouldn't find, for example, what they are looking for. Like, for example, if I want to make a reservation um, at the local restaurant, I wouldn't want to send that user. Uh, to a banking site, uh, for example, that was just describing how can they help SMBs. Yep. Um, but for that to happen, uh, we need to know exactly uh, what uh, what is important uh, for the user, not for the user, for the for the website owner on the site. Um, so, for example, if you have large pieces of text describing what your restaurant is about, and then you have another large block of text uh, uh, describing, I don't know, how to cook a steak or how to whatever you do to a steak, um, probably the second part is not that important. So you can get rid of that. Uh, basically, what I would like to see um, ultimately on, on mobile sites is that you have content that is very specific um, and very precise uh, to what uh, you want from, from a user. Um, That's an interesting yeah. point because if you think about mobile right and we think about the fact that the majority of our traffic is going mobile it has already happened with search queries it's it's happening yeah. with almost all sites that we've looked at there's very few industries where it's still kind of desktop but for the most part i would say over the next coming years almost everything goes mobile um especially tablet mobile the mix right um and, and as we kind of go in that direction, we've spent a long time as SEOs focusing on, you know, LSI, the latent somatics indexing and saying, well, we need to have a lot of, you know, text here. We need to write longer form content. We need to have more depth in order to have a more authoritative looking site to Google. Um, so, so we always tell people, hey, this one paragraph needs to be expanded. 
Um, but it sounds like maybe there's a different focus for the usability on mobile. Um, is that conflicting, you think, to SEOs? I mean, should people walk away from that statement thinking less is more now on mobile and we don't need to worry about, like, you know, necessarily focusing on depth of content from a LSI, you know, authority standpoint? Um, I know that's kind of a loaded question, so I'll you know, answer it, it however, uh, however but, you, know, um, you can. I, I, th I think you want to, to have content on the, on the, on the pages uh, content that you want to rank for, um, and content that can satisfy a user. Um, what I see a lot on, on desktop sites is that um, there are these massive pieces of text um, that are partly useless, um, and Probably that's that's fine from the mobile index if they are if it's gone. Um, I I do think that because the the real estate on 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 mobile devices is much um, smaller um, mm -hmm. than on desktop, for example, you do have to rethink your content strategy, and you have to rethink what you put up uh, on the mobile side. Uh, versus what you have on a desktop side, um, because people just just don't read or consume content this, uh, the, the way, way they do it on 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 a desktop side. That's um, interesting. I can see that really changing, like a big shift in like content writing strategy and and SEO strategy over the coming years. Just on that basis alone, it's like how do you write more concise content that satisfies a user without yeah. giving up, you know, um, you know, that benefit, like the, the information that's needed, like yeah. how, how do you get more concise? But it's also something we've seen with social, right? Social was all about volume and then social became higher quality, you know, less quantity. And I think, you know, uh, lower, you know, uh, quantity of words and higher quality of purpose uh, could be a focus for, uh, for people. Right. I mean, if you think about Twitter, um, people can actually. That's a very, very good uh, exercise um, to to write more on Twitter and try to um, um, summarize your thoughts in a in a tweet uh, without sounding like you only finished like three uh, uh, grades. Um, <laughs> um, and um, that's. I don't remember. I, I saw an analysis that, or a study that uh, actually people um, enjoy tweets exactly because they are extremely short and they can consume it in a in a uh, in a blink of an eye. Um, and I, I don't necessarily like it, but perhaps that's where content consumption goes, or that's the direction um, of content consumption. Uh, tweets like. Uh, pieces of content. Interesting. Uh, it's 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 definitely something to take into consideration not only just from a, you know, SEO standpoint, but definitely from a consumption of data, you know, what are you doing when you're on mobile, you're moving around, you're often distracted, you have a yeah. lot going on, you're looking for things quickly. Even if you're you know, in an airport and you're chilling for a while, typically yeah. you still have some sort of distractions going on that will probably shorten your time spent on the page. Yeah, of course. And if you think about it, many people sit on the subway, for example, and they are reading, and, and they are not even reading 
uh, in fact, they are just scrolling the, uh, the, the content. And uh, I think uh, uh, the last um, uh, PopCon, not the last one, the one before, uh, I suggested that you, you should have like callouts on, on, on your content, uh, something that like pops in, in people's eye because that's what they will they are going to see. They are not yeah. typically people are not going to read the whole blood that you had on your mind. Um, because they just don't have the attention span and they also don't have the time. Imagine if you're on the on the subway and you only have to go uh, or you only have to uh, travel one uh, station. Uh, you, you don't actually have time to read 4000 words uh, article. Uh, but if you can have a summary, then you can definitely read that. Well, I mean, that happens to me a lot with um, nothing against this publication, but New Yorker tends to be very wordy. And uh, every time I see like a, an interesting post from that site, I, I go to open it and I start reading and I realize that this is somebody's kind of journal entry writing, right? It's like, holy crap, there's a lot yeah. of emotions, a lot of perspective. And I'm like, I start to scroll and I'm like, oh my God, this is like 10,000 words, you know, yeah. to discuss something that maybe takes 500 words. And I, and yeah. I end up abandoning really quick, um, even though it's a topic to I that, want. That's not to say that that kind of content is not... Uh, useful. Uh, I'm fairly certain that there are people who read uh, content that's that long. Even I read content that's that long. But typically, if I have, I don't know, like half an hour between meetings, uh, that's when I will sit down and to relax, I will read something. Uh, but some people, well, I would guess that most people don't have that luxury. They have to, I don't know, um, cook a dinner or pay attention to the kids or or, or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I guess summaries are, are, are a great way to capture an audience that you would otherwise lose um, just because they don't have time to 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 read your whole piece. So, so if we're looking at if we're looking at you know preparing for you know kind of the mobile first index, we're looking at you know obviously having a mobile site, preferably I think we can say a responsive design just yeah. because of some of the benefits that come along with it, um, and, and you know making sure that when people show up they're getting what they want. So we're focusing content specifically to solve what they're searching for and what they're finding us for. Um, there's there's been some you know points that have been put out you know things like uh, you know, should you mark your mobile site as mobile for Google? Um, and, and with responsive, you know, I don't, I'm not a technically uh, develop, you know, I'm not a developer, mm -hmm. but from a responsive, I, I don't necessarily know how you would go about marking that, but can you, well, you know, you should, should you still mark for the mobile sites when you're specifically making them? Uh, you so know, as, as far on as... On responsive, we are looking for a, for a, for a tag uh, that is very specific for the responsive web design. And it wasn't designed for Google or search engines in general. It was designed for the clients that read the, or that load the content, basically the uh, viewport tag. Mm -hmm. uh, no, the viewport link, whatever it is. I don't remember what it is. Maybe it's a link uh, or it's an attribute. It's an attribute. Um, 
and uh, we are looking for that. But people wouldn't put that up for, for Google specifically uh, or other search engines. They have to put it up so clients like uh, Internet Explorer, Mozilla, whatever, Chrome, uh, can understand that that particular content should be um, or is OK to load on a small screen. Um, so so a, a responsive design is essentially going to have that already kind of built into yeah. it. Otherwise, it wouldn't function. It wouldn't work. Well, it would function. It just, I, th I think it's it's much harder to accomplish the same thing. But with a mobile site where you're doing the M dot, where you're you know you're doing like a, yeah. so, a new domain. Yeah. So there you you have to to do the markup. Otherwise, you wouldn't understand that those are two di two different. Uh, they they are the same site, uh, except they are. Uh, or the same site, and one is an alternate version of the other. Uh, on the bright side of things, uh, if people have that already, they don't have to change anything. So for example, um, the recommendation was that on an M site, people would have an alternate uh, annotation on the desktop site pointing to the mobile site. And then on the mobile site, they would have a rel call pointing back to the desktop site. I think um, they don't have to change that. Uh, typically, when we ask people to implement something, uh, it will take eons, really, uh, to to get the web uh, to a stage that we can use. Um, so what we are planning to do is to just understand that those are two different, or th those are the same sites, um, and the mobile should be the canonical one. Uh, in the mobile first index. Uh, that's kind of counterintuitive if you only look at the, uh, the annotations, because the mobile site clearly says that uh, the desktop should be canonical. Um, but then we also don't want to uh, push people into changing their annotations, because, that, because first, it just takes too much time to, to have the whole app change that. Um, second, that's when mistakes happen and sites um, fall out of the index, and yeah. So, so people shouldn't, you know, I mean, obviously, if you can make the shift of where you're you're pointing your rel canonicals, I mean, I think it's always better to do it the right way. But are, 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 people don't need to worry about. It. Is it kind of similar to how the HTTPS thing was, where you guys are just gonna, for at least for a time period, kind of make your own decision and, and kind of accept the fact that people might not have it set up properly? Or are you going to respect the tags, you know, saying that the desktop is the primary? Uh, no, exactly the opposite. Uh, that we are not, we, we are going to respect the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, if, uh, if the mobile version says that the desktop version should be canonical, uh, then what we would understand from that uh, will be that the mobile should be canonical. Gotcha. Um, I know it's confusing, but the the simple message is that you don't have to change anything. Yeah. If you have these annotations, then you don't don't touch it. Yeah, just leave it as it is. You'll yeah. make the assumption. And then it's all going to really come down to how you view the quality of the mobile site 
you know, in the right. end anyway, you know, I mean, um, we, we still see examples on mobile where some non-mobile sites end up ranking. So, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. it's still going to come down to the overall authority score, or are we going to see less of that as we go into a mobile first, where if you just don't have a mobile friendly site, you're just probably not going to show up. I don't like the authority word um, because that because people confuse it with domain authority, um, something that we don't have. Yeah, uh, Moz has that. Google doesn't have something like that. Um, so I would rather phrase it uh, as content, or we would serve we would still surface content that's uh, relevant to the user and is also uh, quality content. Um, Mobile obviously will be a very strong factor, um, but if you still don't have a mobile site, then that—I mean—it's a problem in 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 a way. But from ranking perspective, you can still rank just fine. Okay. Um, our shift to the mobile-first index is more about uh, ranking sites based on the mobile content. Um, because nowadays, well, ever since Google uh, started indexing sites, um, ranking was based on the desktop content. Even nowadays, when you search on a mobile device, uh, you get results uh, that are retrieved and ranked based on the desktop content, um, which is batshit stupid if you think about it. Um, <laughs> Because some of that content might not even be on the mobile side. Yeah. Um, and nowadays we have uh, over fifty percent of our traffic coming from mobile devices. Um, so be essentially, we are uh, potentially fooling <laughs> uh, over fifty percent of our traffic uh, or users uh, because we are surfacing content that. Might not even be there on the on the uh, when they click through. So mobile um, first, just to clarify, mobile first uh, for anybody listening is is not so much about mobile to be included in search. It's when you have a mobile and a desktop version, your mobile version will be the primary version. That is correct, sir. Perfect. So there's there's one other thing that I, I read about a lot, and, and and that's that you guys recommend, you know, and I think it's for good reason that you don't have media that doesn't play, or you don't have you know interstellars or things that take away from the experience of a user. Um, I wanted to ask you though, is this something that you know uh, Google's actually checking and knows that something doesn't play, or is it just something that's just general good advice for people to you know keep their you know visitors happy is it a bounce rate thing or are you guys actually able to detect uh you know broken media and broken players and things like that let's let's not go to the bounce rate thing because that's that's not, not a productive conversation but uh um obviously we are rendering the pages uh we've been doing that for a past few years um and uh, internally when we or before even we index a page, we see, hopefully, the same thing that users would see. Um, so for example, if you go to, um, I don't know, ah, just today I saw a, um, an article 
uh, on BBC that had a video um, that was in a flash container. Um, and obviously Chrome wasn't too happy about it. Chrome has the flash plugin disabled by default. Um, so all I saw was a big, I don't even know what error message um, saying that you should enable your flash plugin. Obviously I will not enable my flash plugin. Um, but if I saw that uh, on my Chrome, on my uh, mobile Chrome uh, browser, that's exactly what the rendering service uh, internally will see. Gotcha. Uh, and based on that, we can make the assumption that that thing, that site, well, not the site, but that page uh, has um, content that is not playable. Um, and same thing for interstitials, for example. Um, if you have an interstitial and it pops up for the user, um, it will pop up for the rendering service as well. Um, and then we are, we are going to see that. Um, interstitials are even more interesting because um, you, if you have interstitials on your site, then we are not going to consider that uh, at least the pages that have the interstitial uh, mobile friendly because they are just not. If you have an interstitial on your, on, on your page and you expect people to figure out how to close that interstitial, then you have like a pretty big um, abandon. Yeah, people are going to skip that. Well, it's not that they, they are going to skip that. It's you can't expect people um, to close something uh, that's overlaying your content on a mobile device. Uh, I don't think that I have big hands or big fingers or uh, thick fingers, but usually it's it's quite challenging for me um, to to close these interstitials. Yeah, and it's not about the bounce rate. We just know that people don't like that. Um, so if they have trouble with the site, then with a mobile site, uh, then why would we consider that mobile friendly? Well, it's, it's a really good point because I think a lot of people that are fighting the battle, you know, internally as SEOs and marketing and, 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 you know, the business entities trying to, you know, profit, you know, off advertising. Yeah. I think it's a good, you know, clarification to say, you know, look, interstellars, interstellar, <laughs> can't hardly say the word anymore. Um, uh, so just, just to, just to say something, if you have some, something, anything about interstellar, then interstellars are fine and you should include in your content. But that's only interstellars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, um, it's a good point because it gives somebody something. It gives somebody a soundbite to kind of walk back and say, look, this right. is not mobile friendly. And, and I think a lot of times that's what people really need is some kind of like specific soundbite to say, look, this is what validates what I'm trying to say. Otherwise, it's all magic, SEO magic. <laughs> so uh, and the, other, the other thing about um, interstitials is that um, they are, there's that uh, better ad standard. Um, and um, I think interstitials are not part of the accepted advertising models uh, by the better ad standard. Um, and if they if they are not um, um, 
accepted by the standard or not compliant to the standard, um, then uh, browsers who uh, play along with a better ad standard um, will eventually block those ads completely. How does how are um, interstitials differ like viewed differently than subscribe? You know, like every time I go on my news, I end up going, I see a story, something political or something, and it's to the Washington Post. And I click over and I start reading and I get two lines in and then all of a sudden it fades out to white and it says you have to subscribe in order to read this content. Um, is that viewed differently than, um, than an ad? Yes, to some extent. Um, the sad part is that uh, there is a time delay um, for what uh, we consider uh, interstitials. Um, so, for example, if you load um, the interstitial on unload, when the user would leave the site, uh, then for whatever reason, we decided that's fine. Um, I'm not sure I agree with that, but it it is fine. Um, the better solution to these, uh, then this includes obviously interstitials or um, subscribe, whatever interstitials as well. Uh, it's not about, I don't think it's about the ads interstitials, it's more about blocking the view uh, of the user, of the content. Um, and I forgot what I was about to say. <laughs> this is great, I'm getting so old. That's all right, I get old too. <laughs> really? I turned oh, 40. I'm 40 tough. this year. You what? I'm turning 40 this year. Really? Yeah, I'm an old man. You don't, I'm, yeah, you don't look 40. Yeah, if I grow out my uh, my hair, I do. That's why I well, shave don't it do a that. lot. <laughs> Yeah. I feel it, man. When I train, because I fight a lot, right? So I do yeah. the jujitsu and all the fighting, and now it takes me so long to heal. Um, I, I definitely feel the age then when I go against these twenty-some-year-old kids, and and you have to fight. It's definitely uh, apparent at that point. Well, but you also have more experience. Yeah, in some regards, sometimes they have more than me. <laughs> it depends on how long they've been doing it. Oh, I remember what I wanted to say. Um... So there are better ways to do this. Um, basically, we do recognize that people have to make money uh, because that's how they keep up their site. That's how they keep their sites running. Um, but there are ways that can um, have similar effects uh, or returns uh, as interstitials and are not obstructing the, the content. Um, I think we have those, at least a few of those, uh, disclosed in the in the in the blog posts that we made uh, last year. I think uh, about uh, uh, intrusive uh, interstitials. Um, another thing is that not all interstitials are bad. Um, so, for example, if there is an interstitial that only blocks whatever percent of the content, that is still acceptable um, to some extent um, yeah so so in general you kind of have to really think about and really understand and really uh, you know plan out your usage of uh, interstitials on on websites yeah uh, otherwise you can, you know so it's one of the more tricky areas for sure yeah but again there are uh, 
there is at least some documentation about how can you do it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like like you just can't do it at all. It's more like finding a balance between um, hiding the whole content versus showing something that will uh, get you money or users or whatever. Uh, and yeah, find, finding the, the balance between those two. Is there is there an alert or is there something through Search Console or a tool no. that helps with this at all? Um, we uh, didn't want to do that um, specifically. We were thinking about disclosing that. Uh, but ultimately, we want to help our users. And um, usually when we uh, disclose very precise or we precisely disclose what we are doing, um, then people will start to find uh, ways to to get around the the the, the guideline, um, yeah. and we, we we don't want that in this case because interstitials that are blocking the whole content are bad. Um, we want a, a better web experience for or better reading experience. Well, just better experience in general for our users. Um, and we know for sure that um, if those users are satisfied, then they will convert better um, yeah. on, on, on the site. For everyone. For everyone, yeah. So I always love asking you this question, and I hope you don't mind me asking oh, you boy. Uh, again. But um, you do a lot of speaking, and you do a lot of posts and discussions about things that you have to do, or that you know at least are within your role and, and something that's a part of your job. But I always sure. like to ask you, what are you doing, or what's happening at Google that you're personally excited about? What tools, what features, what projects, what interesting thing has you excited uh, um, with, at Google? That's not search. It doesn't have to be search. It could be anything. Just um, I am. Um, I. I turn my Sauron eye towards uh, uh, Google Org uh, because I I travel a lot. I dive a lot. I spent thousands of hours in the oceans and seas, um, and I have firsthand experience uh, in. Um, how our ecosystem is kind of falling apart. Um, and it bothers me a lot. Um, and I try to pay more attention to what Google Org is doing, uh, what the projects are uh, they are doing, because um, I somehow want to help uh, more that branch of Google or Alphabet, um, exactly because I don't want our ecosystem to completely fall apart. Um, Interesting. Do they have any like uh, environmental projects going? Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm looking oh, yeah. at a lot of the stuff they do. It seems very like uh, you know educational, cultural building and stuff. But do they have some like eco so education? Education can be very well uh, uh, ecosystem related or environment related. For example, if you go to, um, I don't want to call out any country right now, but if you go to a, a third world country, uh, you will see that, um, for example, another nation comes in and they offer an immense uh, amount of money uh, for the fishermen there. 
um, um, immense amount of money for the third world country. Um, but it's almost nothing for the developed country that just moved in. Um, and then that's how overfishing starts. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, they catch all the fish they possibly can. And what they don't realize is that even if you remove one species uh, from a coral, coral reef, um, it's very likely that that reef is going to fall apart. Um, and if there's overfishing, for example, in an archipelago, um, then that, that archipelago usually or typically is relying on fish as the main source of food. Mm -hmm. um, but if they are overfishing, then the big fish, the big game will go away. Um, then the smaller ones that they usually consume will go with that. And suddenly they don't have anything to eat. Um, another thing is uh, palm trees that they plant for palm oil. Um, if you look on the map for uh, countries in, the, in Southeast Asia, uh, you can see these perfectly aligned uh, lines of trees. Um, those are all palm oil trees. And those trees uh, are planted uh, in, uh, on, on, on land that was originally um, uh, rainforest. Yeah, I'm reading that now. It says you have to clear the forest and remove yes. all tree trunks and everything and in order to grow these. Do you know what gives us oxygen? Yeah. The trees, the rainforest. The palm trees, they are not giving us ox oxygen. Those damn rainforests, those give us oxygen. Yeah. And th those farmers, uh, I found that they don't actually know this. They just see the money because it's... it's Immediate. They, they, yeah, it's immediate, but they don't realize that if, for example, one of the islands converts completely to uh, um, palm oil uh, production, um, then the quality of the air will decrease massively in that area. Mm -hmm. And overall, it has uh, an effect on the, on the global air quality as well. Um, so yeah, these are the things that I think about when so, I'm not. So if anybody listening, you know, obviously we're talking about Google org and you can go to google.org and you can kind of, uh, see a lot of what's going on there. But, uh, anybody who's interested in, in participating, uh, is there any other way other than just going to the website? Could you want to mention any ways that people can get involved? Um, I, I don't know any external projects that Google org has. Um, I'm, I'm really focusing on internal projects. But I think the best way people can, can help is to be more mindful uh, about what they are consuming. Because if you think about it, if you, when you go to any of the big chains, uh, fast food chains, they are going to use palm oil because it's like much, much, much cheaper than uh, the normal oil that they can buy, the uh, whatever else plant oil that they can buy. Um, just think about that. Uh, when you go there and you buy a, a, a French fries, for example, or fries or whatever you want to call them, um, 
they are going to fry those in palm oil. Um, and basically, they are feeding uh, a business model that is not sustainable. Um, yeah, I personally don't go to chains, but I, I definitely... Uh... I definitely can appreciate like, you know, as a people just, you know, making choices and how you, you know, spend your money does have a huge impact. My brother's yeah. in the agriculture business and he, he would always say like, you know, um, that the organic, uh, you know, versus non-organic growing is based on demand. And, and if you yeah. continue to buy crappy products, people are going to continue to make crappy products. You know, it, 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 the only way to kind of end that cycle is to stop the buying. Yeah. And the other thing is that, and, and something that I absolutely love about Switzerland, or one more thing that I absolutely love about Switzerland, is that people here explicitly look for locally grown food uh, or produced food. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have, uh, I don't know, uh, potatoes that were imported from whatever country and there are Swiss potatoes, then they are going to buy the Swiss potatoes, not because they look better, and typically they will not look better because it's from a local farm um, somewhere in the Alps, um, but just because it's Swiss. Yep, they just want to support. Switzerland. So why wouldn't they support the local uh, farmer versus the whatever else farmer in another country? Makes sense. Uh, yeah, and that's how you help small businesses while in your uh, um, neighbor, not neighborhood, but in your country or state. Well, Gary, I, I kept you a lot longer than I promised I would. I told you I'd keep you I for 30 minutes it. and uh, it's, it's close to an hour. So I apologize for keeping you late, but I think it was a good conversation. I think we covered yeah. a lot of interesting topics. I think there's a lot of really good points uh, in the mobile side that I think people can go back and, and really work on right away to start preparing for you know the, the inevitable shift and to kind of take back to bosses or, or departments and kind of say like, look, these are some things we need to start paying more attention to. Uh, so I really appreciate your insight there uh, and I appreciate your insight and your interest in uh, you know the environment and, and being involved in all of that. I thoroughly enjoy seeing all your pictures from your travels and uh, look forward to continuing uh, our friendship and our conversations. Well, thank you very much for having me and I really, really hope that um, this was uh, somewhat useful for people. 